You're listening to the Aquatic Wetline, a tropical fish-keeping podcast hosted by 23-year-old fish keeper, Aqua Alex Cardinal. For three years, we provided you with quality tropical fish information, and we'll continue providing some information on freshwater and saltwater tropical fish. Let's dive down deep into the aquarium and chat fish. Live from his fish room is Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is now live. This is the Aquatic Wetline Tropical Fish Keeping Podcast right here on Rock Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. We are the first, most successful fish keeping podcast on Blog Talk Radio. If you do a Google search with our name, you will get over four pages worth of stuff. Aquatic Wetline was founded in 2013 to provide tropical fish keepers with freshwater and saltwater aquarium informal and interesting shows. Over the past four years, Aquatic Wetline has delivered some good shows that are well received worldwide. Aquatic Wetline is hosted by a 23-year-old fish keeper named Aqua Alex Cardinelli, who has a passion and love for freshwater and saltwater fish ever since he was born. Let Aqua Alex talk to you about fish and tankons. Good Sunday evening, everyone. Welcome live to Aquatic Wetline. I'm Aqua Alex Cardinelli, broadcasting here in my fish room. Today, I have a very fun show in store for all of you fish keepers. As a saltwater fish keeper, I have to say that saltwater has a lot of nice predatory fish from dog face puffers to porcupine puffers to triggers, and one of my all-time favorite predators, moray eels. Now, before the show, I had the opportunity to feed my personal moray eel, which is a snowflake moray, and he's a really cool fish to feed. Um, I like watching him eat. I actually just float a piece of market shrimp in front of his cave, and he comes out, and I quickly release it so that he doesn't bite my finger. And he's only about a week or two old since I got him. I got him only a week or two ago, and he's adjusted to the tank um, easily and very quickly. So I'm glad that he took shrimp instantly, and it was dead shrimp instantly, so I was very excited about that. But I'm glad to have a snowflake moray, and I recommend every saltwater fish keeper to consider having a moray eel, and I'll talk about that in depth on today's show. Now, I first fell in love with moray eels the day I saw a huge green moray eel at the New England Aquarium in Boston, and also a few other species of morays at the Mystic Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut. Moray eels are a fish even non-fish keepers know and scared of. So um, non-fish keepers know of moray eels and they're scared of them because moray eels are kind of intimidating. They are a very interesting species of saltwater fish. 
Now, moray eels are a true eel, unlike the freshwater spiny eels. Moray eels are well known for being intimidating and striking fear in people due to the way they move their mouths. But they don't do it to strike fear. That is how they breathe. Actually, moray eels are quite harmless to humans. The people that do get bit by moray eels is due to their mistake because um, moray eels have poor eyesight, and when they're feeding, they like to bump their target first and then bite. So it's never a good idea to get close distance with a moray eel in the wild, in the ocean, or even in a home aquarium. Always got to be careful. They don't bite on purpose. It's their eating uh, ability that makes them bite. So when people think of moray eels, they think of the giants like the green moray and the giant moray eel. But there are many different kinds of morays with many topping out at about two to four feet, which makes them perfect for a home saltwater aquarium. And that's what we're talking about tonight. I'm going to talk about keeping moray eels in a home aquarium. So here's the agenda for today's show. I'm going to talk about keeping moray eels in the home aquarium, find out how to keep, feed, and care for a moray eel in your marine aquarium. I'm going to talk about the different kinds of morays and which ones are suitable for aquariums. There are 200 species of moray eels. Of the 200 species of moray eels, which ones can live in our aquariums? I'm also going to answer the question, can you keep two or more morays in an aquarium? I'm also going to answer the question, pebble-tooth moray eels versus fang-tooth moray eels. Yes, there is two types of morays. You have your pebble-tooth morays and your fang-tooth morays. And I'll explain the difference to you guys. And I'm also going to talk about our moray eels reef safe. On top of all those topics for moray eels, there's going to be some other interesting topics in the second half of our show today. So, let's get to chatting moray eels. This may be a quick, fast show, but it will be a fun one where I'll be discussing a fish that I really love, and that is the moray eel. So, I will start by discussing how to keep moray eels in aquariums how to care for them, and some general information on moray eels. Now, moray eels are true eels in the taxonomic order and quilliforms. They are found in the family Moronidae that contains 15 genera and approximately 200 species. Approximately 12 of these 200 species are suitable for the home aquarium, and Bob Fenner considers only five species to be safe with other fish. These particular eels range in size from 8 inches to about 2 feet long. Eels are readily identifiable by the lack of pelvic fins, pectoral fins, and having elongated bodies and have a snake-like appearance. They do not have either gill cover openings and scales. 
Additionally, their dorsal and anal fins are continuous around the body. This body design requires the fish to maneuver with long, flowing, wave-like strokes. Because morays lack scales, they protect their skin from abrasions by shedding a constant covering of mucus. Morays possess lateral line pores only on their heads, and this unique adaption allows them to live in caves and crevices with only their head displayed and still be able to sense movement in the water. The vast majority of moray eels can be found in coral reefs in tropical waters, with a few members found in all oceans as far north as the west coast of North America. Interestingly, morays are the second most represented fish group after the wrasses in the Hawaiian Islands, with more than 40 species found locally there, suggesting they play an important role in the local food chains. Moray eels possess a menacing appearance with their mouths constantly open. While an open mouth display appears frightful, especially when coupled with pointed fangs, the eel's psychology requires this behavior. The mouth must remain open to allow water to be pumped into the oral cavity, then over the gills by muscles located in the gill cavity and attached to the mandible or lower jawbone. Juvenile morays often appear differently colored, often with more pronounced color patterns and with different bodily proportions than that is than that that is found in the adults. As the animals age, their body proportions become thicker and the bold color patterns fade to a more diffuse coloration. Many moray eels have limited vision and instead they rely on a heavily involved sense of smell. This sense of smell combined with the head vocalized ladder line system to sense vibration makes these eels formidable hunters of any items that pass near their cave-like opening. Morays can detect sick or injured fish hiding in the reef, and as they possess wedge-shaped heads and bodies, they can squeeze into tight recesses to extract a hiding food item. Many eels have nutritional preferences, and these eels are easily divided into two groups. Morays with pointed teeth, the fang-toothed morays, use these fangs to hold and tear their fish prey. In reefers' opinions, almost any captive fang-toothed moray will eventually eat its fish tank mates. Even tough fish like triggers, quick-swimming groupers, and puffers may fall prey to a moray, especially at night. The fang-toothed eels will even eat cleaner asses. So obviously, these fang-toothed morays are suitable only for a tank dedicated only to them. So if you were a real moray eel lover, you'd have to set up a large tank for multiple species of fang-toothed 
eels or just keep one? It pains fish keepers to see in the obvious adding clown sugar or a dog face buffer to a tank containing a two foot long tessalata eel. The outcome of such a placement surely know well in advance. That's the um, same two moray eels. And now we're going to talk about the fish safe eels, the pebble tooth morays, my personal favorite morays of all. Now, the pebble tooth morays feed primarily on crustaceans and hard shelled invertebrates. These morays are found in the genera Echidina, Gymnogria, and Sideria. And I'm pretty sure I botched all their names. But they are known for having blunt, more like teeth that are designed for crushing the shells of their prey. They tend to have a small, poorly developed eye, a short head and mouth structure, and a highly developed olfactory system that compensates for their poor lack of vision. Not surprisingly, the pebble tooth morays rely heavily on locating their prey based on smell rather than by sight. So, for example, when I feed my snowflake eel before today's show, he actually um, smelled the shrimp. He, As soon as I was feeding the fish shrimp, my puffers and sugar shrimp, he started to smell it, and I slowly saw him start to uh, swim out of his rock right towards my fingers, and he had his shrimp. So they do have a really good sense of smell, and I love that about um, moray eels. Now, moray eels, in particular the uh, pebble-tooth morays, have adapted their behavior to pinpoint their prey based on agglations of their head. When a prey item approaches the eel-sensing parameter, the moray will move its head from side to side to better acquire scent intensity and to determine the signal signal strength based on its head orientation. To place a definitive confirmation on their location, these eels will often bump items with their nose before they strike to make sure that it's a crustacean that they want to eat. Taste and touch receptors located in the lips and nose of the eel help determine if if the item is an appropriate food or not. So once again, pebble tooth morays, are the ones that are fish bait because they eat crustaceans. And fang tooth morays are the very aggressive morays that eat fish and tear fish to shreds. We're going to need to know that later on in the show, so keep that in mind. Once you decide that a moray eel can fit into your cake situation, there are a few requirements that will ensure a perfect home for your eel. In general, you want to provide a rockwork structure in which the eels can find a number of good hiding spots and areas where the eels can peer out into the tank. The good news is that in a reef tank, this is a typical rock structure. To ensure that an eel has the appropriate home when you are designing the reef, consider adding a PVC pipe three inches in diameter and two feet long, and that'll provide an adequate helm. And I'm definitely going to do that when I get my 125-gallon uh, saltwater tank when I upgrade my current 75 salt to a, one, a 125. 
Now, eels will often dig under structures and can topple any loose rock work. So eel-proof your reef structure by using heavy or tightly fitting rock arrangements. When considering a zebra moray in particular, the lower rock structures must be large and firm, thereby preventing any movement of the lower rocks by the eels when they are feeding. Adult zebra morays are very muscular and will readily topple any weak supporting structures as they use these structures to push against while ingesting shelled foods. Moray eels are the escape artists of the fish world. They can exit through any hole in the cover of your aquarium. Adult eels can push against the top to open the cover. To prevent any Hadini-like escapes, I recommend covering your tank and weighing the cover down. A tight-fitting top that is locked or clipped into place is mandatory. Just be sure to allow for the fact that if you do decide on a tight-fitting top and you are using an air stone or under gravel filter, that carbon dioxide may build up if in this upper airspace, and this buildup needs to be frequently removed. If you do happen to find your moray has escaped and has partially dried on the floor, don't give up hope. Don't give up yet because moray eels secrete a thick slime layer that will protect them for a few hours outside of water. Um, one of my friends who has a saltwater tank and he has a honeycomb moray, also known as a telosita moray, um, his moray eel jumped out and it was out there for about 15 hours and he picked up and put it back in the tank and the moray eel swam and it was fine. So don't give up hope. All moray eels are different, but generally they are very hardy fish and they could survive out of water for at least a few hours. Some juvenile morays and the dwarf morays have been known to swim down under gravel, lift tubes, and get beneath under gravel plates. So if you have an under gravel filtration system, which is quite rare nowadays, it should have screens over all the intakes. It is critical that moray eels be fed a varied diet, one that replicates their natural prey items. In the case of the pebble tooth morays, crustaceans and hard-shelled invertebrates should be an intrigual part of the diet. A close inspection of the seafood counter at your local grocery store will yield all the food items that you'll need. Fresh shrimp with the shells on, whole blue crab, octopus, or squid will all be eaten with great delight for the pebble tooth Morays. Most morays must be trained to eat dead food items, and this can be a lengthy, albeit critical, process for survival of your moray. But then again, the situation of each fish is different um, because my snowflake eel ate market shrimp the second day that I had him, so he ate right away. So some morays may be used to a captive diet or maybe eating dead uh, inverts or dead fish, 
well, others have to be weaned onto. So I would just say err on the side of caution and be prepared to wean them off of live food. However, you may get lucky like me. Now, many pebble tooth morays will take live shrimp and fiddler, cla- fiddler crabs as starter foods. Juvenile snowflake eels will readily eat ghost shrimp and small freshwater feeder fish. However, these foods are just that, starter food. After a period of establishment in your tank, say two to three weeks, you need to wean these eels off the live food and onto these prepared meals. Now, those are the diet for a pebble tooth moray. Thin tooth morays, which include the tessellata moray, the honeycomb moray, the yellowhead moray, and the green moray, and some other ones, they need to be fed fish chunks, smelt, etc. And by the way, the honeycomb and tessellata moray are the same. I meant to say um, the, uh, uh, I forgot its name now, shoot. The white-eyed moray, I think it is. But anyway, all of the sang-toothed morays should be fed fish chunks, smelt, etc. So, how often should your moray be fed? Morays do not have to eat very often. And overfeeding them simply adds to water pollution and growth and size problems. Overfeeding in eels is a major health problem. Overfed eels acclimate fat at a healthy rate, and it's not common to observe a fat eel at a public aquarium where the handlers feed the eel as part of an hourly display. If your eel refuses food, consider giving the eel some time off from feeding to allow the animal to utilize some stored fats. Now, in research experience, eels stop feeding for two reasons. First, the water quality in your tank has been compromised, and doing frequent partial water changes easily rectifies this. Secondly, overfeeding will cause your eel to stop eating. It may take several weeks before your eel resumes feeding again. So be patient. So now we know how moray eels and when they should eat, and they're a very hardy fish. They're a very beginner-friendly fish. Compatibility. In general, more than one pebble-tooth moray can be kept in the same aquarium, and the same can be said for the fang-tooth morays provided that the fang tooth morays are similar size so that they don't eat each other. And it also should be known that if you do plan on keeping more than one eel, make sure you have more than one cave or more than one PVC pipe. As juveniles, snowflake eels in particular will cluster in the same cave for protection. However, as adults, This is often not the case. If a new moray is added to a tank with an established eel, you should expect a new moray to be chased and harassed until a dominant hierarchy is arranged, especially if you're introducing the same species. 
In many cases, with the pebble-tooth mores, they will usually attempt to defend evasion of their hole and surrounding space by headbutting and pushing or by op- opening their mouth and pushing a new eel away. Some mores can be cannibalistic, as reefers have reported seeing regurgitation from a snowflake eel containing the remains of a smaller snowflake eel. The good news is, in general, smaller eels will stay out of harm's way in the presence of larger eels. One of the main reasons to acquire a pebble-tooth moray is to keep this eel with reef community fish, and in fact, the majority of the pebble-tooth morays have no interest in fish at all. If it were not for the large muscular size and clumsy nature of zebra eels, I would recommend them as a perfect moray for a reef tank. If it is a large reef tank, you're fine, but generally people uh, usually only have like a 55 to a 75 reef tank. For a zebra eel, I would probably go with a 125 and up reef tank. But the better choice for most saltwater hobbyists is a snowflake eel, as they adapt readily to tank life, prefer to feed in their holes, and only get rambunctious when food is in the water. These eels start fairly thin. They reach a maximum size of 24 inches and will learn to take prepared foods from a feeding stick. Or in my case, like my snowflake eel, all he's got to do is drop the, the piece of shrimp right by his head and he'll eat it. Now, juvenile snowflake eels grow quite slowly, and it's not uncommon for them to achieve adult size in two-plus years. However, like I said, each fish is different, so you never, ever go by what you read on the Internet or anything because each fish is different. But I will say that you you might experience um, some slow growth, but that is normal. All right, so now we're going to move along, and we're going to talk about some more uh, moray eel information. Now, while these crustacean-feeding eels do not show much interest in fish, they may inadvertently take chunks out of them at feeding time. Researchers have seen snowflake eels or zebra eels blindly blindly trash in the water column or actively pursue what they think is food when it really is a tank mate that happens to be in the eel's scent trail. One thing to consider is that if you feed your eels live freshwater feeders for extended periods, it will increase the likelihood of these fish chasing and eating fish since you have to train them to eat fish. So again, my recommendation is not to feed these eels live feeder fish. So we know that moray eels are very hardy and durable, but let's say you have a sick moray. Now what? The two keys to success with moray eels are one, excellent water quality, and two, a varied and nutritious diet. Now, 
make sure that your water quality is top-notch because any decline in water conditions may result in them going off-feed. This problem is easily resolved by frequent water changes, and once the water issue is resolved, the eel is back to its normal self. According to Michael, a moray eel expert in 1998 said he has yet to see a moray succumb to disease or parasites, and only on a rare occasion has he noted external parasites or nematode infections. If your eel appears to be developing a bacterial or fungal infection, check for a decline in water quality. Should any parameter be suspect, perform water changes or remove the eel to a quarantine tank and treat with an antibiotic. Water quality issues will also trigger a starvation response from many eels. When refusal of food is first observed, try performing water changes to alleviate the situation. However, if, you, if your eel continues to refuse food for more than a few weeks, attempt to find the source of the problem. This can range from bacterial infections to overfeeding. Don't fret over mores which have fasted for short periods because sometimes eels can refuse food for over two months with no loss of body condition or apparent health issues because in the wild sometimes the moray eels don't get a chance to eat every day and sometimes they'll uh, wait for weeks to eat. So don't be alarmed if your moray eel does not eat every day because sometimes it happens. All right, so let's talk about tank size for the moray eel. Big, bigger, biggest. As large a system as possible because some of the moray eels get big. A minimum of 40 gallons for the smallest of morays, and a minimum of 75 for the larger morays. Tank shape should obviously feature length and width versus show tank shape. Hiding places. There should be at minimum two pleasing ones, large and dark enough to get entirely out of view. Subdued lighting and darkened sides and backing are a bonus. Morays enjoy a high degree of routine in their environment and will appreciate a regular timed light regimen. All right, so now let's talk about tank mates for uh, moray eels. Large puffers like aerothron or diagon puffers, triggers, wrasses, clownfish, groupers, fox faces and rabbit fish, and tangs, and basically anything large enough not to be eaten. Those are all tank mates for the pebble tooth moray eels, meaning the snowflake, chain link, and zebra. However, you will not want any inverts in your aquarium with the pebble tooth moray, because remember, the pebble tooth moray's diet is invertebrates. So those are some examples of pebble tooth uh, moray eels, and basically pretty much any fish can live with the pebble tooth morays because they are not interested in fish at all. However, for fin tooth morays, it's always a risk that your fin tooth moray is going to eat fish. 
but you can try larger puffers, larger trigger fish, and larger fish in general. Maybe a, a queen trigger or a titan trigger will be able to defend itself. Something very aggressive might be able to thrive and live in a tank with a fang tooth moray, but that's just my opinion. Temperature tolerance is wide. They can tolerate anywhere from 72 degrees to 82 degrees Fahrenheit, and they like their salinity a little high. They like it at 1.022 to 1.025, but they will do fine in 1.018 to 1.022 as well. They're not very finicky. When looking to purchase a local fish store and you want to make the right selection, make sure the prospective specimen is eating. Have the local fish store show you that that moray eel is eating. Check its entire body for sores, scrapes, or tolerant-infected fins. If present, leave it. Don't buy a fish that has infected fins or scrapes or sores. Acclimation. The main thing I want to stress here is to anticipate erratic activity when first introducing a new moray. Don't be alarmed because when adding a moray eel to a tank, they will swim about, head out of water, maybe searching for a way out. If to their liking, your eel will settle on provided cover, keeping subtle fishes at bay. So when you get a new eel, it is perfectly fine for it to be swimming around the top and be very active. I would leave the lights on low on the tank or in the room for a few days. If you do find your eel on the floor, do try to reconstitute it by rinsing off and placing it in a quarantine tank and treating as above. Moving. Now, moray eels are almost similar to fox faces and lionfish when it comes to moving because they may bite, uh, and, they might, and when they bite, it can cause serious wounds. So moving should be carefully planned and executed. Now, the moray eel is not going to uh, bite you on purpose. It may be self-defense, or maybe they smell your fingers and think it's food. That's why it's very careful that you have to move the moray eel very carefully. Though morays are tough, they have soft and slimy skin that is easily abraded by rough handling. Netting them almost invariably results in a trashing specimen on the floor. Much fragile hobbyist nerves and non-sanctioned use of bath towels. I recommend doing this instead. Procure a thick or doubled semi-thick fish bags, roll the edge up, place in a scooped-up fashion in the aquarium, and scoot the moray into the bag underwater. Maybe needless to say, but carefully lift the eel with minimum water from the tank into the bag. Now, wasn't that easier? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is caring and keeping and some information on moray eels for you. Now we're going to get into a topic that I am going to enjoy, and that is the many different types of moray eels. So right now I'm going to talk about some of the different kinds of moray eels. First, 
I will start with the moray eels that are suitable for home saltwater aquariums. We'll start with zebra moray eels. Now, zebra morays get to be about three feet, and the minimum tank size for a zebra moray is 75 gallons and up. And you must have a strong reef rock structure for zebra eels because they're very strong, very bulky, and very thick. Zebra morays are found primarily in rocky and coral reefs on the east coast of Africa to the Red Sea. These passive eels have remarkable patterns of deep black to chocolate brown interspersed with vertical white stripes. Their head is designed to crush hardened crustacean shells. The primary foods of zebra morays are crabs, shrimp, and occasionally snails and urchins. Zebra morays employ a unique hunting style for finding food. They intentionally bump the prey item to first see if it moves and second to taste the prey item to determine if it's food worthiness. Small prey items are usually swallowed whole, while larger food items like crabs are held down by their body coils as the claws and legs are broken off and eaten. A zebra moray's jaw will easily crack crab claws, and in the home aquarium, one can hear the equivalent of a nutcracker sounding off when a crab claw is cracked. Zebra morays do much of their hunting behind the reef structures and rarely venture out into the open. This fish often refuses take prepared foods, but after a lengthy starvation period, will generally weed on over to stick feeding. Now, as they grow to adult size, zebra morays become relatively much thicker and more muscular which emphasizes their apparently clumsy demeanor. Reef structures must be large and strong to withstand the body movements and contortions these eels exhibit when feeding. All right, now we're going to talk about the chain leak moray eel. The chain leak moray grows to be about 30 inches, and it requires 40 gallons and up. And chain leak morays inhabitat coral and rocky reefs in the warm tropical waters of Brazil. The attractive body coloration of this fish varies considerably, with each individual having a unique color pattern. Juvenile chain leak morays have attractive green banding patterns with alternating yellow stripes. However, these colors tend to fade and run together as the animal ages. These eels are extremely reclusive and hide under the rockwork. They are nocturnal hunters and feed primarily on crabs. They will frequently pursue these crabs out of the water and onto the shore to capture them. Chain leak eels readily adapt to aquarium life it provided with plenty of hiding places and adequately sized caves. These eels remain reclusive even after an adjustment period in captivity 
and tend to remain this way until hunger, hungry. So if you're looking for like a more active eel that you'll see sometimes swimming, I would say that your best bet is to get a snowflake or a zebra eel. Fortunately, chain weak mores readily wean on to prepared food after they are initially established on live fiddler crabs and small blue crabs. Snowflake moray eels, perhaps one of the most common moray eels available to the tropical fish hobby today. They grow to be about 30 inches and a minimum tank size of 40 gallons and bigger is recommended. And snowflake mores are found commonly on reef slopes and reef lagoons. Snowflake eels feed primarily on shore crabs, spider crabs, and shrimps. Additionally, mantis shrimps and small bony fish remains have been found in the stomach content analysis of these eels, and adult snowflake eels have been observed eating small cephalopods like octopus. In general, snowflake eels are excellent reef-safe mores. They adapt quickly to tank life, readily accept prepared marine-based foods, and are much less of a threat to fish. Snowflake eels remain fairly small, under 30 inches, and like I said earlier in the show, it is not uncommon for them to, um, to grow slowly. And uh, one word of advice like most eels, these eels may become aggressive during feeding time. It is not uncommon for a snowflake eel to attack a fish when chasing a scent tra trail through the water column. And it is, an, it is also not uncommon for an adult snowflake eel to take a bite out of a nearby fish when food is in the water. All right, so those are the pebble tooth mores that you can keep in a, a home aquarium. Here are some safe um, fang tooth moray eels that you can have in aquariums. These ones are yellow head mores, jewel mores, golden mores, fire coray morals, and ghost mores. So again, the safe fang tooth moray eels you can have in an aquarium are the yellow head mores, jewel mores, golden mores, fire coral mores, and ghost mores. These are probably the most commonly seen fang tooth moray eels in home aquariums. They most likely can get along with larger fish. Some care, same care for a pebble tooth moray for these safe fang tooth moray, except you would feed fish chunks, tilapia, salmon, etc., instead of inverts. So those are some of the moray eels that you can keep in a home aquarium. But there are other eels that you can consider apart from the pebble tooth and the fang tooth morays. So here are other moray eels and other types of saltwater eels to consider for a marine aquarium. Ribbon eels, a very nice moray eel. Now ribbon eels make striking display animals for the home aquarium, but in some captive setups, they may refuse to feed. There are several things you can do to help initiate feeding in a stubborn ribbon eel. First, provide adequate hiding places so your eel feels secure. 
one way to do this is to place about three inches of live sand and an inch of coral rubble on the aquarium bottom and an amount of live rock on one side of the tank or against the, black, the back glass. This way, you'll provide sand and coral rubble for the eel to burrow under or a coral head of live rock for it to hide within. Live feeder fish are also necessary to entice a ribbon eel to feed. Add a dozen or more mollies or guppies to your tank in order to increase the concentration of potential prey in the vicinity of an eel. House it in a smaller tank, perhaps 30 gallons, or portion off the eel's preferred hiding place, which being kept in a larger aquarium. It is also easier to feed a ribbon eel if it is not housed with ferocious carnivores that will snap up feeder fish before the eel is enticed to feed. In fact, I recommend that you keep your ribbon eel in a tank of its own or with another member of its species. All right, so that's um, ribbon eels. There's also a green wolf eel. Now, a green wolf eel is not a true eel, but it is cool and personable. It's actually um, a part of the diamondback family. So pretty cool that somebody named this fish a green wolf eel, which we call the green wolf dotty back. Now, this fish comes from the Indo-West Pacific, and it is, either, it is not either a eel nor a blenny. So technically, it is neither an eel or blenny. Other common names include the carpet eel blenny or just plain old eel blenny. The green wolf eels are aggressive, so keep them with fish too large to be eaten. And even though this fish attains an adult size of around 18 inches, it does not require a lot of room to feel comfortable or to breed, as this fish acts very eel-like, usually projecting its head from the walkwork or hiding behind rock outcrops. Now, those are the eels that you can have in a home saltwater aquarium. Right now, I would like to talk about the moray eels that I do not recommend you having in a home aquarium. I know that some fish stores and some wholesalers sell them, but I believe these moray eels belong in the wild for many reasons, but I'm going to say they belong in the wild because they get huge, and they are very, very aggressive. They can take apart hands easily. And these moray eels are green moray eels, one of the most popular ones, giant moray eels, and Tilosita uh, moray eel, also known as a honeycomb moray. So, again, um, the green morays, the giant morays, and the tessalata honey moray eels should not be in a home aquarium because they get too large. Wow, what a great start to the show. 47 minutes of eel talk. All right, I'm going to take a quick intermission. I'm going to relax my voice and get ready for the next topics here on this moray eel Sunday. Coming up next here on the Aquatic Wet Line, after our intermission, I'm going to have a discussion on if eels are reef safe. I'll discuss how 
And if you can keep more than one moray eel in an aquarium, I'll discuss why I like morays and more. Plus, I'll have the conclusion. So we're going to take a quick intermission, hear two songs, and we're going to be back with some awesome moray eel chat. Now, before we go to intermission, I'd like to remind all of my listeners of Aquatic Wetline that you could be a part of our very first historic Aquatic Wetline Aquatic Trivia Game, which is the very first fishkeeping podcast to host a trivia game. And it's going to be a very fun game that is done in family feud style. Now, there's going to be two prizes, and one of the prizes is going to be sponsored by YourFishStuff.com, and it's going to have $30 to $50 worth of fish food, supplies, etc. And the second place prize is going to be Aquatic Wetline Merchandise. So don't you want to be a part of history, have some fun, and have a chance to walk away with the prize? So come be a part of our very first Aquatic Wetline Aquatic Trivia Game on April 15th by emailing aquaticwetline at outlook.com with the title AW Trivia. And in your email, please include your career, where you're located, your favorite fish, and the type of fish you are keeping, and, of course, your name. The first six people to email me will be the six contestants. So, ladies and gentlemen, go email me during the commercial with your name, your location, your career, your favorite fish, and your fish that you're currently keeping. I have two contestants already confirmed, and now we just need six more. So go ahead and email me right now. It will not take you that long. And one final thing I'm going to promote before we go to our intermission. I would like everyone to check me out on a website called Patreon. Now, Patreon is a website where creators and podcasters like myself, who are small, post our shows and stuff, and viewers like you can support us by donating monthly or donating uh, per release. And what I would use with your donation is I'd buy a Blue Yeti microphone so that I could have better um, auto quality and produce better shows. So please check me out at patreon.com forward slash Aqua Alice Cardinelli for more information. Now, let me rest my voice and let's rest our minds as we hear two great songs and our infomercials.
Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by YourFishStuff.com. YourFishStuff.com provides hobbyists with quality homemade fish food and aquarium supplies. The Your Fish Stuff difference. Buy direct and save. Buy direct from Your Fish Stuff. No middleman, no food masses produced by large corporations, no food sitting around in warehouses. Just fresh, healthy food from Your Fish Stuff to you. Quality ingredients like fish meal, shrimp, squid, kelp, spirulina, and corella algae. Doesn't cloud water. And all of their fish food is made fresh, crafted in small batches, hobbyists owned and operated. And all of their fish food is made right here in the good old U.S. of A. So check out YourFishStuff.com for quality fish food and aquarium equipment such as nets, filters, medications, and more. That's www.yourfishstuff.com, a proud sponsor of Aquatic Wetline. March 25th, 2017. It's going to be a night for Aquatic Wetline and for the tropical fish keeping hobby. I, Aqua Alexander Cardinelli, as the host of Aquatic Wetline, as a person, and as a tropical fish keeper, am proud to announce that Aquatic Wetline is going to be hosting a Tropical Fish Keeping Hall of Fame podcast. This is going to be a show where I, Aqua Alex, and my audience pay tribute and respect to the legendary fish keepers who have paved the way for us to be fish keepers and also for fish keepers who have a huge passion and enthusiasm for the tropical fish keeping hobby. And it all starts on March 25th, 2017 as the legendary Corridors breeder Lynn Massey takes her place into the Aquatic Wetline Hall of Fame. Sadly, the aquarium hobby and the fish world lost Lynn Massey in November as she passed away. But the legacy she left behind from Corridor's breeding will never be forgotten. Lynn Massey will be inducted to the Aquatic Wetline Hall of Fame by her longtime friend, Rebecca Listrow. Rebecca will be here to induct Lynn Massey into the Hall of Fame. Live March 25th. 2017, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on Aquatic Wetline. Lynn Massey was a huge inspiration for the Aquatic Wetline to have guests, and she was fundamental on Aquatic Wetline's success. So please join me and Rebecca as we welcome the very first inductee to the Aquatic Wetline Hall of Fame. Class of 2017, Corridor Breeder Lynn Massey, right here on Aquatic Wetline on March 25th, 9 p.m. Eastern, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Aquatic Wetline. Aquatic Wetline is looking for our first 
eight contestants for Aquatic Wetlines Aquatic Trivia Fish Game. Do you want to be a part of the first fish keeping trivia game? It's simple. The first eight fish keepers to send an email to aquaticwetline at outlook.com with the title AW Trivia will be the contestants. In your email, please describe yourself, your fish tanks, and your favorite fish and the career and location you live. You will have to be available on April 15th from 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific, and you will be on the show for an hour to two hours. So, would you like to be on the very first Aquatic Wetland Aquatic Trivia Game, where the first prize is sponsored by YourFishStuff.com, and the second prize is sponsored by Aquatic Wetline and Aqua Alex. So, there's a chance you can win a prize. So make sure you email AquaticWetline at Outlook.com and become one of the eight contestants. Aquatic Wetline, a tropical fish-keeping show brought to you by Aqua Alex in Springfield, Massachusetts. Let's get back to the tropical fish chat right now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Aquatic Wetline. I'm your host, 
Aqua Alex broadcasting live from my fish room here in Springfield, Massachusetts. And tonight on the Aquatic Wetline, we are talking about moray eels and keeping them in a home aquarium. If you're just tuning in now, don't worry. You can catch the first half of the show by listening to this episode when it archives, and you'll be able to hear the entire show until the end of our show today. But in the first half of the show, I basically talked about some general information and keeping and caring for a moray eel in a home aquarium. And I talked about the different kinds of moray eels. And right now, we're going to talk about if eels are reef safe, we're going to talk about more than one moray in an aquarium and more in my personal topic. So instead of... uh, reading some information from online articles about moray eels like we did in the first half of the show. Um, I'm going to talk to you myself about moray eels. And um, so let's go ahead and get started. So the first question, are moray eels reef safe? There's two answers. The first answer is the pebble-toothed moray eels, yes. The pebble-toothed moray eels are reef safe. However, there must be no invertebrates in your system. So you could have uh, a pebble-toothed moray in your tank with coral and live rock, but no inverts because the pebble-toothed moray will eat your inverts. And the second answer is, with the fanged tooth moray eels, no. The fanged tooth moray eels are not reef safe, as they will eat fish, and they possibly, probably, will eat your inverts. So it's just the pebble tooth morays that are reef safe. The next question, can you keep more than two moray eels in an aquarium? Yes for the faint tooth moray, and yes for the pebble tooth moray. However, if you want to have more than one moray eel in your aquarium, make sure you have a really big system. I'm talking above 125 gallons and bigger. That way there's enough space for the eels to swim, and there's no fighting, there's no bickering. Now, I personally recommend adding a different species of moray eel. I certainly wouldn't want to mix two snowflake eels or two zebra eels or two um, yellowhead morays or two telosida moray eels in a tank. Do different species. That way they're uh, not the same species and you'll have less problems with their fighting. Also, if you're going to use fing teeth, uh, moray eels or faint tooth moray eels, make sure they are the same size or similar size because if you have one that is bigger than the other, say goodbye to your littler one. So make sure that the faint tooth morays are similar or same size. Um, with the pebble tooth morays, I don't think that would be a problem, but I would still recommend same size or um, a little bit smaller. All right. 
So now we're going to, I'm personally going to have a discussion on more eels now that we know how to care for mores and uh, how to keep them in a home aquarium. I personally am going to talk about some stuff that I love about uh, moray eels. Okay. So now I want to talk about when I began liking mores. So to be honest, in high school, on my senior trip, we took a trip to Boston and a lot of people were going to the Quincy Market. But I decided to uh, go to the Newman Aquarium and that side of Boston. And as a fish keeper, my first goal was I had to go to the Newman Aquarium. So I went there, and I loved it. I'm definitely uh, planning on going back sometime this year or, or next year, but I love the Newman Aquarium. And in their giant display tank, they have a massive, massive green moray eel. And when I first saw that eel, I took pictures and a video, and I fell in love with that moray eel. Now, after seeing that green moray, I was in awe. I thought moray eels were the coolest predatory fish out there, and I began researching them. And I began looking up moray eels on YouTube. And that's how I came across the uh, honeycomb moray and how I came across the snowflake and the other morays. So I knew that when I would eventually get a saltwater tank, um, I was going to have a moray eel of some type. And I do now. I have a snowflake moray. Um, but then a year later, I went to Mystic Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut. And they had several types of moray eels. They actually had a tank dedicated to moray eels, which had fang tooth morays and pebble tooth morays in the same aquarium. I'm not sure how they pulled it off, but they did. They had um, zebra morays with snowflake morays, with yellowhead morays, with um, fermented morays, etc. And I was really excited about seeing that because then I realized that there were some mores that didn't get too huge for aquariums. So I have to say that those two aquariums, the public aquariums, got me interested in moray eels. And that's how aquariums get the non-fish keepers into moray eels. However, the non-fish keepers have a totally misunderstanding of moray eels. They think that moray eels are like piranhas or electric eels. They're out there to do damage to humans. But that is far from the truth. That is like a thousand percent far from the truth. A moray eel will not bother you unless it is disturbed or unless you're getting, getting in the way of its natural food detectors. Now, like I said on the show, they have a very poor eyesight, and they use their mouth. The way they move their head is that's how they breathe. So if you're going to um, mess with a moray eel, then you're just asking for trouble. But generally, moray eels do not bother humans unless they are provoked. But anyway, that's when I began liking morays. Now, I'm going to talk to you guys about my personal favorite moray eels. My dream moray, one that I dream of owning, is a uh, Tulacita 
moray eel, also known as the honeycomb moray. But I know that that dream is not going to happen for quite a while because those morays get huge and they would require a massive aquarium. My second favorite moray eel is one that I will never keep, but I have a lot of respect for them, and I think they don't belong in the aquarium hobby anyway. They belong in the wild, and that is the giant green moray eel. My third favorite moray eel is the eel that I am planning to keep, and that is the uh, zebra moray eel. I think the zebra moray eel is perhaps one of the nice-looking morays. And finally, my last favorite moray eel is a moray eel I have now, a very common, readily available eel known as the snowflake moray eel. And I really enjoy the snowflake eel. So those are my favorite eels. Now I'm going to talk about what I like about moray eels. I like their personality. The way they eat and swim is nice. I get to hand feed my snowflake eel. Snowflake eels are intimidating, but in reality, they are calm, cool, and collective. They are a serpent in your aquarium, and they resemble a snack, but, oh, excuse me, <laughs> they resemble a snake. That's what I was thinking. I don't know. I was I was thinking a snack because after the show, is going to have some Oreos, but, uh, Eels resemble, resemble a snake, but are much better than a snake, and they are a true eel. The last thing I will talk about for care-wise for the moray eels is the freshwater morays. There's um, fish stores claiming that they have freshwater morays. There are a couple species of freshwater morays. However, they are extremely rare extremely rare so if, if there is one true moray eel at your fish store it's going to cost around four hundred dollars or more depending on how much the wholesaler charged them and stuff like that my local fish store school of fish inc had a tiger moray um which is a true freshwater one um that they, they did not sell for a long time the other uh often so-called uh, freshwater moray is called the freshwater snowflake or snow dot moray. Ladies and gentlemen, those aren't the pebble tooth ones, but they're also not true freshwater moray eels. They're not even related to the pebble tooth ones. They're a totally different species, but they are brackish water. So don't buy any eels that are labeled as freshwater moray eels from uh, the fish store unless they can confirm that they're freshwater because most of the time the fish stores are just selling you a snowflake uh, brackish water moray eel. So that's just a little bit of a heads up. So now I'm going to talk about why I recommend a uh, marine hobbyist to get a moray eel. A moray eel is going to add personality to your aquarium. Your moray eel is going to add an unusual but awesome bottom dweller to your tank. It's going to add a serpent into your tank. Uh, moray eels are very fun to watch eat. So that's why I personally recommend a moray eel to all my fish keeping listeners out there. Now, I am personally going to be upgrading my 75-gallon saltwater tank to a 125-gallon saltwater tank, and I'll be doing that this spring. And when I do that, I'm going to have my two favorite 
eels. I'm going to have a snowflake eel and a zebra eel. And boy, when I tell you I can't wait to get that zebra eel, I'm not lying. Um, I really can't wait for that. It'll be like Christmas for me the day that I do get my snow, my zebra eel, and it'll be Christmas Day the day I get my 125. So in the future, I'm going to have a zebra eel and a snowflake eel, but right now I have my snowflake eel. All right, so let's do a quick recap and conclusion to today's show. Moray eels are not mean. They have a poor sense of smell and may be aggressive during feeding time. Pebble tooth morays, zebra, snowflake, and chain leak are reef safe and are great for home aquariums. They eat invertebrates. Moray eels need rocks and hiding spaces that are secure and moray eel safe. Few fang tooth moray eels can live in a home aquarium. Moray eels are very hardy and durable. And zebra morays, while expensive, are the morays I recommend for beginners or snowflake eels. So if you're a beginner and you want a moray eel, I personally recommend a zebra moray or a snowflake moray. So that is our information and a good topic and a good show on moray eels. Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by YourFishStuff.com. YourFishStuff.com provides hobbyists with quality homemade fish food and aquarium supplies. The Your Fish Stuff difference. Buy direct and save. Buy direct from Your Fish Stuff. No middleman, no food masses produced by large corporations, no food sitting around in warehouses. Just fresh, healthy food from your fish stuff to you. Quality ingredients like fish meal, shrimp, squid, kelp, spirulina, and corella algae. Doesn't cloud water. And all of their fish food is made fresh, crafted in small batches, hobbyists owned and operated. And all of their fish food is made right here in the good old U.S. of A. So check out YourFishStuff.com for quality fish food and aquarium equipment such as nets, filters, medications, and more. That's www.YourFishStuff.com, a proud sponsor of Aquatic Wetline. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for tonight. I would like to personally thank you for tuning into Aquatic Wetline, and I hope that you learned a lot about moray eels, and I hope that you have gained respect for moray eels, and I hope that you aren't one of the people that think moray eels are aggressive to humans because they are not. Don't forget to send an email to aquaticwetline at outlook.com with the title AW Trivia. And then in the email, include your name, your location, your favorite fish, and the fish you are keeping. Because if you email me with that stuff, and you are one of the first six people to do so, you will be on the very first historic 
edition of Aquatic Wet One Aquatic Trivia Game. There are two confirmed contestants. Will you be one of the eight confirmed contestants? Well, make sure you email aquaticwetline at outlook.com. And in the title, put AW Trivia, and then include your name, your location, your favorite fish, and your fish that you are currently keeping. And if you are one of the six people to send that email, I will write confirmed, and you will be on the show. Simple as that, folks. I also want to remind you to please check me out on Patreon.com. Patreon.com, again, is a website where small podcast hosts and YouTubers, etc., post their content and hope to get support from great listeners like you, um, where they donate money to help these small-time podcasters and YouTube channels reach their goal. And my goal is to eventually get a Blue Yeti microphone so that I have better quality sound and audio here on Aquatic Wetline. So be sure to check me out, patron.com forward slash Aqua Alex. Also check out my Facebook group, Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline, and join that. I'll be doing a Facebook Live video tomorrow at some point. So go ahead and uh, join that group. With that being said, please share today's show with your friends and your fish-keeping family or friends, and please share this on your social media account. I would greatly appreciate that because I'm a fish keeper helping fish keepers, and I would appreciate fish keepers helping me. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at AliceCardinelli1. Don't forget to like my Facebook page, Aquatic Wetline Fish Keeping Podcast, and don't forget to have a nice day. Thank you for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great rest of your Sunday night or whatever time it is that you listen to the show. And thank God, everyone. Aqua Alex signing off from his fish room. Aquatic Wetline is looking for our first eight contestants for Aquatic Wetline's Aquatic Trivia Fish Game. Do you want to be a part of the first fishkeeping trivia game? It's simple. The first eight fishkeepers to send an email to aquaticwetline at outlook.com with the title AW Trivia will be the contestants. In your email, please describe yourself, your fish tanks, and your favorite fish and the career and location you live. You will have to be available on April 15th from 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific. And you will be on the show for an hour to two hours. So, would you like to be on the very first Aquatic Wetland Aquatic Trivia Game, where the first prize is sponsored by YourFishStuff.com, and the second prize is sponsored by Aquatic Wetline and Aqua Alex. So, there's a chance you can win a prize. So make sure you email AquaticWetline at Outlook.com and become one of the eight contestants.
This episode of the Aquatic Wetline has concluded. Aqua Alex thanks you for listening to his show. Please check out Aquatic Wetline Fish Keeping Podcast on Facebook and hit like for tropical fish facts and more. Feel free to reach Aqua Alex at AquaticWetline at Outlook.com with any tropical fish questions. Your questions may make the show. Good night.